good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Welcome to the Robert Dowd Show podcast. I'm your host, Robert Dowd, a show where every week we go into the philosophy or thought process behind something around us, a place you can drop in, and basically I just want to thank you for clicking and thank you for rating us up, for commenting, and for always being there. You guys are awesome, and there's a lot of positive feedback coming through. Um, the week wasn't perfect for me on my end. Um, I want to remain transparent that this stuff isn't print and dry. I mean, there's a lot of thought process that goes into this, and uh, life really is evolving. People around me are changing, and I'm changing at the same time, so I'm just glad you could be here for it. Um, I did want to reach out and congratulate us on 29 listeners and mention that if we can get to 50 that would be able to give me ambassador ads. So usually I don't share this. Um, this has been a strictly word of mouth podcast and we all basically just hang out and have fun. But if you did know someone who might would be interested in hearing about us and uh, clicking and tuning in and maybe interested in a particular topic or you want to comment a topic for next week because this is a documentary, we'll f- be open to tackle whatever you guys want to this next week as well. I didn't get any suggestions from last week, but this week I decided to delve more into the genre of book because we got such a positive feedback on last week's episode, The Art of Modern War, that I basically took a stroll down the pretend books a million aisle for self-help, and I'm digging. Realistically, I couldn't dig into this nine and a half hour book that we're about to dig into in a week. Now, I got an hour or two of it done, and I wanted to kind of give you my view of what it looks like, so this is probably a part one. There there may be multiple parts to this, but um, yeah, thanks for 29 listeners, and if there's any way we can get 21 more, we'll be able to put a little bit more budget into the podcast. I'm thinking if we can keep things going for another six or eight months, maybe I'll offer a Patreon. Um, I'm looking for opinions on that. Something for... A little bit more, because this is already uncut, but whoever wants bonus content, bonus uncut content, I'm probably going to be offering that for a very low barrier of entry. I don't want to charge more than three to five bucks. I think people on these sites can be very predatory, and um, and that's wrong. But anything where we could pour some love back into the channel, um, just all of us together maybe i can make the sound quality better get better editing stuff who knows one can dream let's dig into what i have going on so i decided to pick up uh the 48 laws of power um and i wanted to give you my look on it and it's not a positive take but i'm not going to beat this book over the head either it's almost like the guy who wrote this book was in character when he wrote it that's how I heard it read to me on YouTube with this voice. Basically, it sounds like, I don't know, the devil. It sounded like a conversation with the devil. And uh, I wanted to mention why in different instances of history, mythology, we always hear the protagonist, if I'm uh, putting that in the right frame, sitting across the table from the ultimate evil and why it matters to sit across the table from the devil. So, uh, if there's a few things that you don't do, you don't get in an argument with the devil. Now, 
by the devil. I, I mean, this could be metaphorical. It could be uh, literal, like spiritual. Basically, however you look at it. I, I take it as kind of a uh, where both of them meet in the middle. So, not too religious, not too uh, scientific, just the fun, mythological look at it. And also, we could base it off of other things we've seen in texts. But the devil in this instance is real or metaphorical. It's just evil. Uh, you don't really get on a level with this guy. He's good at basketball, so you don't play basketball kind of thing. Uh, the 48 Laws of Power is a book based on power. The definition of power is the ability to do something or act in a particular way, especially as a faculty or quality. The power of speech, in quotations if we're using innocence. The capacity or ability to direct or influence the behavior of others or the course of events. She had me under her power. Power can be used in one of two ways. Why I say this book is a lot like a conversation with the devil is the power dynamic is in all the wrong notes. As soon as I started reading this book, well, I wasn't reading, I was listening to it, I was immediately on opposing sides with the book. The book struck me as, this is cliche, and it's the opposite of Peter Parker being told with great power comes great responsibility. You don't really notice you live or die by the sword till you die by the sword. Then you hastily use the sword kind of thing. People look at power and what do they always say? People with power, they always want more power. It's always a stack. How you can get to the highest next thing. And this book is kind of like a wormhole. And it feels like someone mixed their emotions with the logic. And the logic didn't take the forefront of what was going on so it starts to paint people in pictures of light where it gives people too much credit credit that they don't deserve credit for being demented deceptive that kind of thing uh people i think i've mentioned this in a podcast either last week's podcast or the podcast before a lot of the time it was mouse hunt a lot of the time when you're thinking about the mouse the mouse isn't thinking about you Realistically, you're, when uh, he started debating how intelligent the mouse was, we're, we're not thinking about how someone is being, well, we might be, we might be deducing, hey, that guy did this because he's thinking demented thoughts on me. They try to paint a picture of light in this book where you have to be careful with your friends because your friends um, are not really your friends, like an element of distrust. Your, your friends aren't your friends, and they're there. Some people, no one wants to honestly hear about your problems. They just want to contribute to them and um, not celebrate, but they get a lick of your problems, and then they spread it around with everyone else, which I disagree on, but we're going to go to the next thing. The reason to listen to this book and not argue with it, why I don't want you to get in the court and play basketball with the devil. Um, I probably will in a little while. Out of uh, just, since it's my dialogue versus the dialogue of this book, I am going to argue a little bit with it, which is contradictory. But I want to note some of the things that he's doing, but the things that I was taking is, is the diabolical 
problems digging into the mind of what someone could be doing if they're evil. What I was bringing out was a naivete of being young. When you leave being young and you get a little older, which I'm not quite there yet, I'm still good and young, but I'm technically middle-aged now, is I think as soon as you can hold your feet up straight and stand on your own two feet, I don't think it's a bad idea to look evil in the eyes. Look at its face, look at its nose, look at its posture, the way it walks, the way it talks, the way it acts. Look at evil. And that way you recognize it because judgment and discernment are two different things. People always say, don't judge me. Well, I'm not, I'm not judging, I'm just using a little bit of discernment. When you choose to, I'll stay up all night watching cops just because I want to know both sides of the fence. A lot of the times you have people enforcing the law that will take advantage of that law and it's an interesting power dynamic there. Or the people who are supposed to be standing within the confines of the law, breaking the law, they'll have something they're not supposed to have and lie about it. That introduces another power dynamic, someone trying to take control where they don't have control. The things about the ideas in this book, they're things to get foiled mostly. It's plans to get foiled. Um, it even says flaunting your morals is a power tactic by the strong. But I, I imply that uh, people who are broadcasting their morals, there's two sides to that. That's two sides of that power dynamic. It colorfully brings into play those things in your mind that you don't understand. It tries to tell you, hey, the way things have been will always be that way. When people are doing this, it's kicking dirt in your eyes. And, and I quote, It tries to tell you those things because it's trying to paint that picture. It's doing its own power dy dynamic of kind of mentioning, Hey, I'm your friend. You can listen to me. That's what the book's doing. Anytime we introduce any kind of media into our mind, because I was talking about the war of the mind uh, last week. Anything we look at subconsciously clings to us a little bit. Like that joke in the Zoolander movie where it talks about, uh, with Ben Stiller, where he talks about aborigine cultures who look at mirrors. The mirror actually clings to part of that person and steals part of their, their soul or their personality or something. And... I've also heard that about sex, how they say you have to be careful how many sexual partners you have because there's a mix there. I, I don't think there's a scientific thing to that, but there's always been a spiritual connotation to that. People try to add up that there's some give and take, and I think it's that way with everything. With any piece of media that you introduce to your mind, you take a little bit. And uh, when I was younger, my friend had a a MySpace. It's before you're able to filter out what's good and bad. It was before Twitter days and Elon Musk deciding what was going to get published and what wasn't going to get published. Uh, one of my first best friends, he's probably listening to the podcast. He knows who he is. And hey, how are you doing? He, he had on his MySpace Saddam Hussein being hung. And me as a young, you know, somewhat adolescent person at the time, I'm looking at this guy's page and seeing for the first time raw death, which now that's everywhere because everyone's a, a everyone has a documentary now and everyone can take a picture and, 
and film this and what's going on. But what I didn't realize at the time is that stole a little bit of my innocence away immediately, seeing Saddam Hussein being uh, brutally hung after they ask, what are your last words? He just, it's like, okay, that's, uh, that's kind of deep and dark. And you think, well, I just saw that, but later on the adolescent mind has to process that weird rabbit hole I'm digging down in. Let me keep it rolling. It says if you don't have any enemies, make some. Again, I wholeheartedly respectfully disagree. Here's why. Most of your achievements in life happen organically. Certain ones won't. Man-made concepts typically don't. They need a push because it's mechanized. It's better to not mechanize back with the book. Now, these things are all just my opinions. They're not based on fact, and it's just my opinion on the book. I think a lot of what happens in younger stages of your life and older stages of your life actually happens fully organically. If you add too much pressure to it and you try to mechanize it, it won't. Things in... I always bring it back to capitalist America. That's where we are. Um, if you're in a job and you're worried, you feel stuck and you don't know why you feel stuck, you're probably going to reach that peak's end one day where you go, hey, I quit. Or, I've got a better job. I'm putting in a two-week. And it, you can sit there and you can be posted up for four years and go, what am I doing with my life? Eventually, your, your reptilian brain is going to spawn in, or God, or you know, a higher power, whatever you call it, anything. Sometimes you can just get that, you can wake up and be different feel. Everyone can wake up at any time and be different. Transform 2023, new year, new me. Anyone can do that at any time. You have to give them the benefit of the doubt. They can go NPC for years, but sometimes NPCs wake up and they're real people. I was talking about NPCs the other day. So funny. Um, people do get killed over power dynamics. I hear the devil. There are persuasive things you can do to get ahead. Decisive ways you can get out of the way. Kicking, God, kicking, kissing ass in culture, whether it be corporate or another. It may work for some people. It may work for a little while, but I think the shit's broken. I don't think kissing ass is going to get you anywhere. Their idea of kissing ass, because you can see I'm always taking the book and putting it in my perspective they say it's one of the laws never outshine the master I think thinking that far into it is very demented, deviated and vicious it's a deep cycle you can run into when you think about how much power the person over you has and think about how you can be noticed within that power but never overdo that power I think that's a deviated form of persuasion that's uh it's brainwashing shit the fact that someone would use this kind of thought process i feel bad for the guy who wrote this book i think i think it's robert green but i'm not sure i hope he doesn't i hope he's not a, a listener because i'm just bashing him and i do hope he was in character when he wrote it that it's a a characterized book as opposed to being someone's real life take on how power dynamics work because Along with that organic thing that I'm talking to you about, power itself is organic. When you give out compassion, charity, whatever, the more you give, 
the more you get, which I'm always going to repeat. It's always the same thing. It's always the simplistic. The more you give, the more you get. Power innate by itself organically will find you if you deserve it. No joke. It will seek you out and find you. You don't have to go looking for power. If you went looking for power and you got power, I bet you that power is going to exchange hands. I know the, the whole thing about how royalty became royalty is they took it like in a knight's tale. It's not, you can take your own life and you can run with it. We, we all have this power to wake up during our day and decide to do like I didn't do today. Wake up before 11 o'clock and start your morning ritual. We all have the ability to kind of take power over our day like that or take power of where we are at our job. I always get this, my deep emotional barrier that I'm trying to climb over is the power of workplace cultures and how they brainwash you to think that you you only have an opportunity in one place and things like that. Those are power plays, much like the 48 Laws of Power. But if people are brainwashed and everybody's drinking the Kool-Aid, it's different. It's a different kind of power. So the, hum the human mind has an innate ability to adapt. Like I said, and I'm joking, unless you're an NPC, <laughs> I'm just joking. But really, we don't give the human mind enough credit for what it can actually do. We listen to other people explain to us how to learn their systems, indoctrinated wherever they are. All these words come from people, and people change. They wake up one day and decide to be different, or they never do. This book preys on the weakness of a person in that way. You already have more power than you know, just innately, in yourself. Every person has a little bit of power. The book is right about observing hierarchies. There are hierarchies in tribes everywhere. It is the best, it is best to respect the hierarchy you're in. In that right, it's the best way to naturally and organically surpass them or leave and not even be on the same court as them anymore. What I'm getting at is if the devil's playing basketball, don't play basketball. Do something else. Anytime, that's always been a survival mechanism that I've used growing up. Maybe it'll work for you. It's a small tip. Anytime I was in the cage with the dog, maybe the secret isn't fighting with the dog. It's getting out of the cage. Kind of thing. Um, I always use the sport reference, though, because I think about growing up, only playing a few. Um, by middle school and high school, I was skateboarding more than anything, and it taught me rules of physics. The rules that don't change. Ground hurts, don't skate drunk. You know? <laughs> There's no ref over your shoulder. Um, no competition to run the farthest. Just me and the wind. And that allowed me to dodge a lot of combat. Because every situation, like a debate or a fight, in a debate, you have to be in a position to debate. You can just not put yourself in that position. You can do it. Anytime somebody asks you a question, it's, you know, check, check box A, check box B. What team are you on? You can always just not pick. That's the, the glory of choice, you know. The answer is always outside, though. It's always outside the, the painting or the question, whatever you're looking at. 
in order to fight, you have to be a contender. If you're not in the ring, who's fighting and who cares? That's why you see the plans in the book and you will actively see people use them. Um, it is referencing moments in history that happened. It talks about people under people in power and how these people, they weren't taking advantage of, but they were trying to do the taking advantage and how they were foiled mid-attempt. And kind of, if you're the royalty or whatever the higher power is in this particular realm, you're actually doing the right thing, catching a guy who's doing deviated, demented shit, kissing ass, trying to get himself to the top so that he can... What's the end goal? Get unlimited food, unlimited sex. Because we're talking, this is, the stuff they're referencing is a long time ago. Like Roman Colosseum shit. These power dynamics are old. It's funny how all these books always bring up really old ideas. Because their opinion of these really old ideas is they haven't changed. But I implore you to see different that I believe they've all changed. And maybe the combat still exists. Maybe the power dynamics still exist. I know the hierarchies do. You do, they always have chain of command everywhere you go. It's always respectful to respect your chain of command. When you get that inclination to compete with uh, whoever your higher power is in a hierarchy, it may be your organic ability coming out to be able to lead better than this guy. I do think that you should do it in the right spirit and that you don't have to kick someone else in the ass to get what you want. I think you can do it and do it in the spirit of love and compassion and still get what you want. As long as what you want is with the confines of some form of morality because you don't want to just be taking things in a devious way, but it's okay to want more. We all want more just know your limits. I mean, once you get past so many, <laughs> once you get past so much stuff, I had someone explain to me the other day. They said uh, that one of their friends had lost a lot of weight. And I asked, well, why? He said, when he stopped getting hungry, he stopped eating. What? <laughs> Run that back. When he stopped getting hungry, he stopped eating. So he quit eating in excess, so he lost weight. His body was doing its own response to how he was supposed to be living. It was organically doing what it was supposed to do. Crazy. Um, back to my note on the book. To overanalyze anyone and not be a doctor trying to figure out a problem is a waste of time. I think that if you dedicate this time to getting in someone's head and enticing them to have combat, you're wasting time that you could otherwise spend doing something you love. Kind of like that quote that we read from the other day. You, when you love it for it, you get the trophies. I think that happens in any ranking system. If you love what you're doing for, for doing it, you end up inevitably becoming the best because you're in love with the sport of what you're doing as opposed to the accolades of doing it. 
That's why you see some people just enticed to have combat. But that enticement in itself shows a weakness and a pain. Because it's revealing vulnerability. I think people who are enticed to... Oh my gosh, I ran into this this past week. People who are enticed to defend an idea and they won't even give it a shot, ironically, plays devil, play devil's advocate with it. If they won't play devil's advocate with another idea, it's a belief. And the thing about beliefs, it is something that you believe. But we all get caught on the rock of what we believe, and it closes our mind as opposed to having it open to interpret new ideas. It's kind of how you lose plasticity in your own brain. You get clung to an idea, and then you're not open to what could be better you I try to bring it back down to something that an example that kind of makes sense all my buddies are on a game and you know at glance I played it and I thought oh, I didn't like that you know and everybody's into it and I have to explain why I didn't like it but what if I changed what if they changed what if we all changed what if the quality of the game got better I go back and I try it and turns out I like it. But I can break it down and put it in a box and articulate why I like it and why I don't like it. Like tasting something. Everyone has different tastes. But it helps to be able to articulate why you like something and why you don't like something. Getting caught in the mode... There's meowing behind me. Getting caught in the mode of not being able to articulate why you like something and why you don't like something can be the root of a disagreement and in a power dynamic some people just want other people to appreciate what they like because they like it that's the power dynamic they want to you know have everybody do what they want them to do but it's not all about you you have to reach outside of yourself and say hey I'm willing to do what other people want to do if it gives them a good time it's not always about me and then the next time they get you back that's what friends and compassion do for friends. Instead, the deviated mind of this book will try to make you turn the power play. I think if you listen to this long enough, it's like anything else. When they keep running the same song over and over, it can you know, brainwash you. Kind of like how the CIA used to use certain forms of music as torture. They just run the real slim shading in the background while you're tied to a chair. You can't speak and they're pulling your fingernails out. They just eventually turn you into like what is it the number one used CIA song for torture was like the Barney theme song or something just something that's going to run you into a mundane form of thought that you'll never pull yourself out of but back to what I was talking about with people and their beliefs and how it leads them to be argumentative I think that that can be resulted to youth I think religion and spirituality can do that because you can get so caught up in a belief that you don't want to open your eye to what's real. That's why they had to separate religion and spirituality and science. It's, I think, if I had to guess, it's just my opinion, never any fact here. This is a Robert Dowd Show podcast. It's just a bunch of opinions flying around. I would think that someone got too attached to the Bible and someone got too attached to science. But you still have some people like the Creationism Museum. They're trying to take both and bring them together. There's that articulate debate between Bill Nye and the the guy who's over the Creationism Museum. And they have the model of the Ark out there. 
and you have someone trying to explain the history of the earth and how old it is and then you have someone else explaining the ark and the two animals and everything and they have that debate over it but what's important is that you don't get caught in the details and affect your ability to learn I think that's a really big thing and that goes with everything doesn't matter it could be a part of music that you don't like it could be that could be anything that applies to everything right now we're actually coming up on our time for an intermission I'm going to take a quick break and right about now we would have if we were professionals a little bit more professional we would have a word from our sponsor so I'll be right back thanks for listening guys welcome back to the show thanks for the intermission um so i'm getting passionate about hierarchies and the ideals of people who have beliefs and things to defend and when they have to project them because when they project them how it shows weakness i haven't gotten near into the breakdown of 48 laws of power i think i mentioned one law just due to the unrealism of nine and a half hours not being within the, the scope of the week But some of these ideas did hit me that passionately that I had to explain that. Um, I'm not saying just don't show your pain, which is basically impossible because you're going to show pain. Pain comes out. That's, again, one of those things that are organic. Just why, uh, why explain it to someone who doesn't care? Let them run off at the mouth. A lot of times, it's like my dad always used to tell me. It took me years and years to learn it. He always used to say, if you give someone enough rope, they'll hang themselves. That's more of a two-way street than you give it credit for. You yourself can be at Home Depot buying rope subconsciously if you don't watch what you say. Just because. I ran into this guy, and uh, this is just a conversation that I had during the week. And he mentioned something, and... The general subject topic of what he was talking about, he got down to it about a bunch of things that he was upset over, but then he said, life just sucks. And I kind of broke it down to him, like, hey, that's a matter of perspective. I looked at things like that for the longest time in a negative light, back when I had all those problems I've mentioned in past episodes, and uh, had that past with, you know, getting too in deep with the drug stuff, and like all that, I had deduced in my head that I couldn't explain why we were here, That's which is also a truth. You can look at all these things and decide which lens you're going to look at them. And I always get mad when uh, people around me, you can, put, you can put gas in the car, but you can put the car in reverse and not even be putting it in drive. You think you're going forward, but you're actually going backward. To look at life like, well, life just sucks. Parts of life do suck. That's It takes a little empathy to get inside that guy's head. Parts of life do suck. But my only advice was to tell him, hey, since you think that life sucks and you feel this way right now, because you obviously feel very bad, maybe you should reach outside of yourself and help someone who's dealing with the same thing that you are. Help them feel better. And then... His, his combat for 
his belief kicked in. His combat side of it, he wanted to come back in, he wanted to fight, he wanted to have that exchange. And that's kind of a male thing. You'll notice men in tribes do that. Men in the everyday world do that. They fight, or at least back home they used to do this. Now fights are getting a little bit more brutal. They fight, and then after they fight, they make up, and then it seems like we have a better bond. We come, become better friends. That happened between me and a guy in college. We got into a big fight, and the teacher had to come break us up. And afterwards, we ended up being really tight after we apologized to each other. It was crazy. We had a bond that couldn't be broken. I don't know if that's an animalistic male tribe thing or what. He comes back at me about his belief. Well, if everyone in, in the world thought the same thing or felt the same thing, what a, a boring world that would be. And he's going in on this stuff. And I had to kind of come back at him. And I'm not at the opposing side of the table. You do that with the devil. You sit on the other side of the table with the devil so you know what evil looks like. You sit and you let him talk. You don't argue. You don't get in in the court and play basketball with uh, the devil. There's no point. And I decide to sit on the same side of the table with this guy and talk to him. Well, boring world, no. You just hadn't seen enough of it yet. It's There's no such thing as boring. Everybody thinking and feeling the same thing, that's physically impossible. And I brought up a quote that he said, um, if it was easy, anyone could do it. And I kind of brought his quote back up and just gave it right back to him because he's going to listen to his own words before he's going to listen to mine if I'm trying to convey an idea. I said, well, if it was any easy, if, I, if it was easy, anyone could do it. And at the end, he got it. I told him everything that everyone's saying to you isn't an attack. But it's such an us and them society. We're always fighting over, you know, Republican, Democrat, black, white, this, that. Everyone's always on opposing sides of the table. But when you sit next to someone on their side of the table, they're so delusional sometimes they, they still think you're on the other side. It's crazy. But, yeah, that was a little conversation I had had during the week that when it came to its end, I... Of course, I let him have the last word because people who are in the midst of combat over their belief, that's what they want. They want the last word. And um, there's that um word again. I deal with family that's like that too and, uh, and friends that are like that. The best thing is just to let them have the last word. You're not, after all, what do you have to prove to anyone? Um, so I take this book more as what not to do than what to do. If you can't listen to a book like this objectively, it's best not, best not to listen to it. What I mean is if you were a younger, more impressionable person, I would say, hey, be careful playing the 48 Laws of Power because it's like it's, it's, they said they're pre-warning in the book about once you get a taste of power, it can be addictive, or the taste of seeing what power can do and what all it can allow you to have and all of this. I think power is overrated. It comes with such a Achilles heel to it. Most of the time, it's not even worth it. Like a high-paying job where they call you after hours. It's not. Uh, power is not all that appealing. If the more you get down to it, it's 
that guy who has the power turns out he has six kids at home and uh he might be making 120k a year but his wife's bitching at him because he's never home and uh saying now his six kids don't know him and he's constantly on the phone and everybody everybody has that yin and yang that catch 22 what they deal with and what they don't deal with like i told you i was opposed to it in the first few minutes of listening to it this isn't the type of power that you want this is the type of power that wants more power it's almost like the guy who wrote the book was in character honestly if he was it kind of makes sense decision making and feeling emotions themselves are like a pit they can be endless to assume to know all of them or to sum yourself up in just a few emotions is naive you can always run into something that's going to trip you over the edge and send you back down whatever it was you're dealing with you don't ever turn the dark side of you off you learn to live with it that's why you sit down at the table with the devil and see what the devil has to say. He's not going to give you any new ideas. He, he only knows the plays that you've played. Stuff that you've given into. You do the same thing over and over. Our, our devil, because I'm not being religious with this, our devil is always something, it's the guy we know. It's never the guy that we don't know. Kind of thing. And I just thought that was interesting. Let's see if I had any more notes for us to talk about. Well... Other than that, everything's been going well. I hope that you're well, and I hope that everything's been going great on your side of the fence. I do really appreciate you guys stopping by, and I did want to mention again, we're on 29 listeners, baby. 29 of 50. If we can get 50, then we start getting our ads, and we can see what's going on with that stuff, and maybe put a little bit of stuff back into the channel. Like I said, I mentioned maybe a few months out, if we wanted to start a Patreon, we could do that, and uh, I could start offering a bonus episode within the week, every week, and that way you guys see a, a bit more of an uncut thing, because it is the podcast is getting to be a little bit more of my logical thoughts, and people are turning to appreciate what's going on on the, the front print, but there's always the bottom text, and I'd like to give you guys more of an opportunity to receive that value of the bottom text, and who knows you might like it um, but again I know uh, this episode's a little shorter than it usually is I'm going to go ahead and top it off now um, yep I love you guys thanks for tuning in to the Robert Dowd Show podcast I'm your host Robert Dowd and until next time next week have a great one bye